everybody, and welcome back to No Fate, a Terminator podcast where we discuss everything Terminator, mostly, recently, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I'm your host, Michael John Petty. With me is my co-host, Tanner Radwick. And Tanner, we got a lot to discuss tonight. Um, this, this episode that we're talking about is a little all over the place, as you were saying before we started. There's a lot going on. Um, I apologize in the, in advance. I'm, I'm going to be a little scatterbrained on this one because there's <laughs> the episode is a little scatterbrained. So, and that's okay. But before we jump into it, got a couple of little housekeeping items I want to want to get through. First of all, last week we talked a little bit about the Terminator anime series, and you asked me if when it was set, do we know anything about it? I did a little more research and found out that we know a little more about it than I thought. Um, still not much, though. Still, it's mostly a mystery. But I wanted to share this tweet with you from Madison Tomlin, who's one of the filmmakers involved with the series. And, and Madison Tomlin is actually the guy who did the Mother Android film for... Hulu, the one that looks a lot like a Terminator movie, probably is what got him the gig. And he also wrote a Batman comic called Batman the Imposter, so, which is apparently out now. But anyway, he tweeted back in January when someone asked for an update on the anime that the animation process is starting. I couldn't be more excited about my collaborators. The scripts are done and in great shape. An eight-episode first season set in a past, but that isn't to say a future war doesn't figure in prominently Mm. what i think is interesting is he says set in a past yeah so super interesting so that we we know a little bit more about it than we initially thought so that's something for us to get excited about and maybe theorize about before it comes out but my guess is because it's a it's gonna be a netflix series that um probably in the next year We'll probably see this. So, but mm-hmm. again, I don't know that, but it could take a lot longer than that. But that would be my educated guess. It's exciting. I hope it's good. Yeah. Make you wonder too what the art style is going to look like. Sometimes that can be hit or miss. Um, especially for something involving like an iconic robot too. Sure. I'm sorry, a cybernetic organism. <laughs> um, my mind goes to. And of course, when you hear anime, you think a little bit more drawn. But my mind goes to like the animation style of uh, uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, something like that. Which sure. is, yeah, some people love it. I've never been a huge fan of that art style myself. That like weird blocky look <laughs> in the face. Are you talking about the Clone Wars, the three D animated show, or the Clone Wars two D animated show? The three D animated show. Okay, my because my guess is because it's an anime, it would be two D. Or more 2D than a 3D, right? Which well, and, could be wrong because of, of the way animation is changing. But and 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 to bring up the 2D version of the Clone Wars, the Samurai Jack style yep. look, I like. I'm not. A, I'm not crazy about that either. You know. So see, it, I love it, that. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> depends on what you grow up with. But in terms of applying it to a Terminator show, you know, I just hope they nail the look and feel. It, it, yeah. So long as they get that right, I think it's going to be uh, really fun. And as, of course, if they have a right story to go along with it. Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping there's more Terminator content than just this too. I mean, I'm super excited about this. There, don't get me wrong. Um, especially knowing that this guy, who basically made a Terminator movie himself, um, is involved. I think that's really cool, and that was obviously a really great choice for them to bring him on. But um, obviously, there's other rumors of 
Terminator shows, apparently maybe on Hulu. There's rumors of a horror Terminator movie. There's horrors of a future war Terminator movie. But there's been some of this stuff for a long time. So how much of it is true, I don't know. But we do know that this anime is actually happening. So out of all the rumors, this is not a rumor. This is this is something that is in the can for a future release. And hopefully before 2029, because we're going to be really in trouble then. I would imagine it's going to be PG-13 would be my guess. Yeah, or TV-14. For TV. Yeah, and I say that not in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Netflix has some really good animated content. I mean, you got Castlevania, which is an anime that people love. People love that show. Uh, my sister is one of them. And then you have stuff like Love, Death, and Robots. Mm-hmm. And so... I mean, their track record with animation is not bad. And in that Arcane show, that League of Legends show, um, is up for a bunch of awards right now. So hopefully they're putting some good money into it. We'll see. We'll wait and see. We will see. The second bit of Terminator news I wanted to cover is the revelation that possibly the T-1000 and the T-800 are both coming to Call of Duty, Vanguard, and Warzone for Season 4. And I'm not a Call of Duty, I I don't really play video games, I'm not a Call of Duty person, but for those of you who do play those games and and obviously love the Terminator, I mean, why else would you be here? Apparently this is is happening, so that's really exciting. I don't really know what that means, I don't know if that means you get to play as those characters, I don't know if that means you get to fight those characters, I don't, maybe both, I don't know, but uh, that's a little bit of Terminator news that came across my desk recently. So that's something that I thought was worth mentioning here. It's great. Anything that keeps it alive and keeps it um, keeps people thinking about it, um, for better or worse, with that creating new additions in the movies category. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's all right. No, I'm just, I'm just glad that people are still thinking about it after all this time. Um, I kind of think I, about it like, the way we think about Rocky a little bit. Like, obviously, Stallone is no longer doing the Rocky movies, but the fact that, you know, Creed 2 might not have been as good as Creed 1, but the fact that we even got Creed 2 is really exciting to think about, and I kind of feel that way about Genesis and Dark Fate. Even if we don't love the direction it went, there's still enough good and enough Terminator that obviously we're excited to still be here and talk about the franchise. So that's kind of my thought. Yep. Um, last bit, we got a new email from <laughs> from Drew Pattier, or I, I'm sorry if I butchered your last name, but Drew, who we talked about last week, um, Drew says, "Great pronunciation of my name, guys. Well done. Well, that's encouraging." Uh, I unless am, it's sarcasm. Uh, well, He's given a sarcasm. Unless it's sarcasm. <laughs> also. <laughs> I'm also female, not male. Common mistake given my name is Drew. Haha. <laughs> anyway, welcome back. So that was our first welcome back message. We got that almost immediately after I uploaded our most recent episode last night. Um, just so you guys know, we're recording this on June 21st, 2022. And I, we just released our kind of return after two months episode yesterday. So we're trying to get these out quicker for you guys so that you can enjoy them and get get some feedback back to us so awesome well yeah th- thanks for listening thanks for the welcome back we're excited to be back yeah so with that being said guys i think 
it's guys. I don't know why I'm saying guys. I'm not talking guys to and gals. other than you. Um, <laughs> with that being said, Tanner, I think it's time for us to dive into the latest episode called Brothers of Nablus. So this episode, well, let me start with the description. While Sarah and Cameron search for the person who robbed the house, Cromartie returns to hunt down Cameron and John. Meanwhile, a new cyborg arrives and creates trouble for Ellison. Dun, dun, dun! Ellison finally has so much to do in this episode. I know! Big part, it's kind of a main focus finally, which is great. We love Ellison. Yep. This one, uh, this one, Tanner got a seven point six out of ten, and I want your thoughts on that. What did the last one get? Because I felt like the last one was super low. Wasn't it seven point three or something? No, the last one was seven point six, but we both agreed that that was low. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know. This one's fun. I'm in, I'm entertained by this one, but it's such a mess. I don't know. Probably a, a solid seven for me. Okay. That's fair. I I don't know if I'd go much lower than the IMDb rating, maybe a 7.5, 7.4, but mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's a bad episode, like you said. I You know, there's a lot going on here, which makes it a little bit maybe hard to follow if you look away for a second, and then especially if you miss that teaser, like that opening moment when the terminator ellison shows up and almost tries to kill the other ellison and then cromarty like we were watching it and my wife was like he's dreaming this is a dream right like this is because <laughs> it happens so fast and so abrupt and it's out of nowhere and they don't even give you a moment to breathe and then immediately they cut away and to be honest with you i kind of forgot so I was like, I don't know. It seems like it is. And then it wasn't. And I was like, I was wrong. <laughs> it, it wasn't. <laughs> this is real. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess they, uh, I guess that's why they have a super obvious flashback halfway through the show. <laughs> yeah. In case anyone forgot about that part. I thought that part was kind of funny myself. It's like, did, did, did no one else see what happened at the beginning of the episode? But. <laughs> <laughs> they felt the need to reinforce that, I guess, when Ellison is, of course, getting um, asked what happened and if he has a twin brother they don't know about. They probably, <laughs> they just do uh, they probably did that flashback. intentionally for people who tuned in, like, just 30 seconds too late, you know? <laughs> Could be. When it first aired, obviously, because it was on TV, and you Could couldn't be. rewind back then. But what an interesting thing to have... Um, not only a Terminator come back to assassinate Ellison, but mm-hmm. one that looks exactly like him. Yeah. And even more interesting that uh, Cromartie is against the idea of having this thing kill Ellison because he wants Ellison to lead them to the Connor still. Right. But just interesting that he believes that so much that he can independently take out another terminator that comes back from the same skynet that he serves well we've talked about it before this idea that maybe when cromarty's head blew off something shifted in him so that he in his chip so that he like cameron can choose 
Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that before. And I, I think this just proves that more and more because I think at this point, Cromarty, his goal to kill the Connors, I think it's less about Skynet and more about himself. And the fact that he's still stalking Ellison to try and get to John is, I, I think, evidence of that. I mean, I obviously a normal Terminator sent by Skynet would do the same thing. But just his fascination, I think, with Ellison in general kind of proves that. And it's very interesting. But I agree. I, I think it's fascinating that they Skynet sent back a Terminator that looks like Ellison, which makes me wonder two things. One, how did they get Ellison's DNA in the future? Is Ellison a part of the Resistance or a part of Skynet's team in the future or maybe somebody else? Right. I don't know. That's, that's something we ought to wonder. And then secondly... If this thing came back as Ellison, the real question is why is it to try and cozy up to Weaver and Xeracorp and try and get to whatever is in that basement? It's kind of how it sounds to me. Mm. Could be, could be. What do you think about them bringing Jody back? The uh, the girl that hung out with Cameron when she thought she was yeah. What's her face? Allison. That, that part's fun. I'm glad that we're not done with her. Just like the the I think the revenge dynamic is interesting. She's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel I feel bad for her. She. I feel like I feel like all of us in in a way know a girl who's similar to that in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um. It feels like a real character. I think the actress plays that character well. Um, just trying to survive, ultimately. <laughs> it kind of reminded me about, like, in the comic books, like, when we were growing up, back when they do, like, super villain team-ups. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of that. Like, why would Brainiac and Lex <laughs> Luthor ever work together? Because their goals are so different, except for the fact that they both hate Superman. You know? <laughs> it's like It, it felt kind of like that. I could see that. And just like the funny banter back and forth. That's awkward. Mm-hmm. When he pushes her out of the car, Hannah audibly gasped when, when he threw her out of the car. He just pushes her through the <laughs> it's door. It's so violent. <laughs> and yeah, how does the door open? Does he push her so hard that the door opens? Does yeah. he reach over and open the door first and then push her? <laughs> <laughs> her comment of, you are buying me these pink and whites, and that's just the way it is. I uh, I think of you every time <laughs> I hear that line. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, whenever you go to Michael's house, he always has a box of pink and whites from the store. Those little cookies with the frosting on them. I do. I always have some sort of cookie in my house. It's either those or chocolate chip. <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of time those. I actually have some in my uh, kitchen right now, except they're blue frosting because it's in prep for the 4th of July. There you go. Yeah. The blue Sounds and Sounds par for the course. But I really like um, this this search for the Connors that Cromartie has going on in this episode, especially because the last couple of episodes, Cromartie hasn't really done anything. Like, he hasn't been around. And it kind of makes you wonder, okay, what does he do in the meantime? Because... <laughs> you, you, know. you get some insight into just how primitive sometimes they can go in terms of searching for someone. Right. Whether that be just 
waltzing through the grocery store to look for them or driving from house to house asking if someone's seen this photograph, yeah. right? Seen this picture. <laughs> like, just no leads, no nothing, but also no cares in the world. <laughs> well, it just reminds you that he's a machine. You know, it's yeah. kind of like what Arnold does in the original Terminator movie. He just walks around doing the same thing. Or Robert Patrick in T2. It's very similar. Yeah, I guess, yeah, their characters had the benefit of having a little bit more leads to go off of. So it's, it, it felt more direct. <laughs> but had they not, they'd probably just go and be going door to door. Are you Sarah Connor? No. Are you Sarah Connor? <laughs> like a door to door salesman? Yes. It's really funny. That scene in the grocery store is intense. It, 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 is. Keep, it gets me on time edge every that. time. Oof. Yeah, it keeps you on your toes. So there's a couple parts in this episode that left me uh puzzled okay and we'll see if see what you think here okay um because i guess first off this diamond guy right they're they they get their diamonds stolen yeah they have to go talk to the diamond guy to get their diamonds back Uh uh-huh at one point you hear Derek and what's his girlfriend's name who comes back jesse Jesse, you hear Derek and Jesse talk. They like talk like they know the Diamond Guy already. Right. Do you remember? Do you recall that? Yes, like, I do. Jesse goes, "He's your friend." At one point, I think. And I'm trying to remember: is this in connection to how they got the diamonds in the first place? Oh yeah, this could be how when Derek and his three other amigos when they traveled back in time and got the diamond. That could be. That could be a relation to that. That must be that must be the case. I was trying to figure out the connection there. That's probably it, exactly. But also, like, how did they get those? You know what I mean? They came back in time. They had nothing. Well, they probably then... did a job for him. Just like oh. he sends Sarah and Cameron to do. True. They were probably a sketchy, enforcers. A sketchy goose chase yeah. to get some diamonds. That's probably exactly what happened. Hmm. Fair enough. Well, hey, I'll accept that. That sounds that sounds legitimate. I like it. Um, the other goofy part that I was thinking about, I guess, towards the end of the episode, uh, you have um, T one thousand and one disguise herself as would it be the prosecuting attorney or would it be the lead detective on the case? Yeah, I think he's a detective. Ellison. It's it's unclear, but I think he's a detective. So where is that real guy? Is he just dead? And you would think... <laughs> Prob- <laughs> you know what I mean? Probably, if if Reaver's involved, yeah. I guess I, th- I guess Arnold says that at one point in T2, that typically the, the subject being copied is terminated. Yeah, <laughs> right? because it so, requires uh, physical contact. Boy, that would um, raise some red flags, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess not too bad, though, because if you think about it logically, they have it on camera, right? right. So they're like, so in, 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 in their mind, they're like, no, this person interviewed them, and it doesn't really matter how the interview went, because afterwards is when they found the body, whatever. Right. So probably it, open It is shot. still a little sketchy, though, I would think. Kind of sketchy. Maybe maybe Weaver just found a way to hide the body to where they think the guy went AWOL to make it look less sketchy. That Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't think that character comes back or is mentioned again. But again, I like the teaser at the beginning. I could be surprised. 
Yeah, that's the other part about this. I mean, the episode jumps around a lot, but I was trying to remember how many of these plot points we see in the future, which with the show in general, it is kind of an episode to episode thing. There's not a ton of overarching themes, um, which people have gotten so accustomed to of like an overarching uh, narrative that you're following in like a Game of Thrones show or something like that or... uh, or Ozark, you know, or Stranger there's Things, like your, or Stranger Things. You're 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 waiting for this overarching connected thing to where all of them connect almost more of like a movie as yep. a, as opposed to an episode by episode basis. So we don't get that a ton in this show, which actually disappoints me because I do like being able to watch it like a giant movie a little better. But yeah, it is what it is, Michael. Well, I think. Ultimately, that's where TV is going. Ultimately, TV is going to be more and more serialized, and we're already seeing that. Um, that's just, you know, that's what people can binge and consume and go through quickly. I mean, you're not going to binge Bob's Burgers because each Bob's Burgers episode is its own thing, and there's no overarching plot. But you can binge Stranger Things because, oh, everything connects, and it all, you know, obviously. And unfortunately, and I, personally, I think that's a little sad. Just because I think there's a real art form in standalone episodes that mm-hmm. is really lost nowadays. And we very, very rarely get, aside from shows like, well, Supernatural's gone now, but I was going to say procedurals like NCIS or Grey's Anatomy or Criminal Minds. You know, the, the Brady Bunch. Well, yeah, Brady Bunch. That's been gone a long time. <laughs> but but my point is, or, and maybe a more accurate example there for comedy would be like something like The Goldbergs. But I think that's really sad that we've lost that um, as far as television is concerned because I think that really is an art form to balance character arcs over the course of multiple episodes with no overarching plot connections that makes you actually focus on the characters themselves as they react to whatever is going on every week. I think there's something really cool and unique about that and it does make me sad that everything has become serialized. That said, I also really like serialized shows, so I think there's room for both. It's just the Sarah Connor Chronicles isn't that way. Yeah, no, yeah, I see what you're saying. And there is something to be said about being able to create a short story within an episode to have somewhat of a beginning, a middle, and a conclusion, yeah. as opposed to just setting up the next uh, the next episode to continue your overarching deal there's something about being able to contain it within 40 minutes right right Um, and everything's becoming that way right everything's becoming serialized comic books are that way now animated shows are that way honestly you look at marvel movies and or anything marvel cinematic (laughs) universe related and it's all like teasing the next thing yeah it is so it's everything's open-ended nothing is concluded it goes back to our conversation that we've had for years about the perfect movie is an hour and a half self-contained movie. <laughs> it is. And it's true. I stand by it. I, I stand by it too. And I, and I kind of feel the same way about your standard 42-minute standalone television show. I, I feel <laughs> I feel very similarly about that. Not to say that there isn't room for the other and not to say that I won't sit down and watch a three-and-a-half-hour movie because I will. But... Um, there's something that is very artistic and very... I don't know, iconic or classic. I, I don't even know the right word, but something that I love about these self-contained things. And and honestly, I think the Sarah Connor Chronicles does that really well. And 
I think it's kind of in the same vein as each of the Terminator movies. All of them kind of end, and they end with the actual conclusion for the most part, with, besides, you know, Genesis, it's which kind of leaves it open-ended. Um, right. But and otherwise, they all pretty much conclude, and I think there's something special about that. Yeah, it was great. You and I were talking about uh, even with the first movie, you you could really just not have a sequel and it would work. Right. Same with Terminator 2. You could not have a sequel and it would work. Yep. Um, I think you can say the same thing about 3. Um, yep. uh, Salvation leaves it like you could tell they're going to do something else. Uh, but then but if you, you just watch it as a post-apocalyptic movie like Book of Eli or could. something, you could just watch it like that and move on. You could leave it because you can argue argue that the Book of Eli leaves it like they're going to tease something else with yep. Mila Kunis's character going off into the wastes. Right. So yeah, no, they're very self-contained. I'm trying to remember how how does Dark Fate end? Uh, I think Dark Fate ends with Danny and Sarah driving away, preparing for if Legion were to send another Terminator or something like that. that after, feels it's, like and it's after Grace up. dies and Carl dies. I can't imagine Linda Hamilton filming that scene thinking, yeah, I'm okay with doing more of this. We can do another one of these. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I honestly have to watch the ending again. I feel like when I saw it for the first time, I felt like, okay, that was pretty self-contained. But mm-hmm. I could be I could be wrong. So Genesis is the only one that I'm like, okay. Because Genesis has that after-credits or mid-credits scene where Skynet right. wakes up again. And I'm like, okay, so the movie was again. for nothing. <laughs> Again, because Genesis is a Marvel movie, right. so they have to have the credits. Exactly. And again, nothing wrong with Marvel movies. If you love Marvel movies and you love Terminator and that's your favorite one, po- more power to you. It's just it's not what the Terminator franchise is about, and I can appreciate the movie, and I dare I say I even like the movie. I just don't love the movie, and we've talked ad nauseum about that, and we'll probably do a Redux episode at some point all about that movie again, but until then. You used to tell me, Tanner, it's it's not good, but you should watch it. <laughs> yeah. That was yourself for Terminator Genesis, because I went years without watching it. Yep. Well, it's true. I stand by that. I'd, yeah. I, just because I like it doesn't mean it's good, you know? There's a lot of movies I, you I should, like that aren't good. <laughs> I think you should watch it at least for the opening scene, because that, that part's Oh my phenomenal. gosh. The opening, all the future stuff is amazing. Honestly, like, if you're a Terminator fan and you're like, I'm not going to watch it at all, like, you have to watch it, if not just for that. <laughs> it's so good. But Had they given us a whole movie of that, oof. Oh, well, real happy. it would have been an actual Terminator 3. Yeah, it's true. But... Um, to get back to the episode real quick, too, uh, the reason we're here and all, you know. <laughs> well, we're here for Terminator. We can go on tangents. People like that sort of thing. <laughs> um, there's, I guess, a couple of really good spots. There's a great spot at the end with Sarah, but I guess for a minute I wanted to talk about the ending with Ellison, where he pulls up to his old house, right? Yeah, and he talks He's... about being tested like Job. Oh, that's yeah. later with Weaver, but yes. Later with Weaver, but when he's in the car spying on his ex-wife. Yeah. And they're having dinner. Ooh, that I, moment, I though, that when she tells him, you did the right thing, James, just five years too late. I was like, ooh, ow. Uh, it, it hurts. It does. But it, it, hurt, it hurts also because he has so much going on that he's wanting to convey to someone, but yeah. he can't. Yeah. Right? 
Um, well, and it's he, hard he's too talking because about he can't how he go misses to the his old life. He can't. And he, he tells his ex-wife he misses his old life. And she obviously thinks he's talking about his marriage, which to a degree he probably is. But yeah. I, he, I think he's also talking about he misses not having the knowledge of these machines, right? He, yeah. he feels like he can't live a normal life anymore with this knowledge. And I think he misses a simpler time of not being awakened to this whole thing. He misses his life BSC before Sarah Connor. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I really liked that a lot. I, I liked it a lot. I like all this all the scenes between Ellison and his ex-wife, and I, I always feel bad because I don't remember her name, um, because it just really humanizes him. And I think he feels pretty human for the majority of the series. I, mm-hmm. I don't ever really question that, unlike someone like Sarah, who can feel very machine-like. Ellison is not mm-hmm. that way, and it's really great that he's not that way. But moments like these really help us see him not just as an agent, not just as a guy like Fox Mulder from the X-Files pursuing the truth or anything like that, but like an actual person who had a real life. And that's that's really cool, and I think that's really necessary especially because you know we don't get that a lot with terminator characters we don't really get to see domestic family lives and and when we do they're interrupted forcefully by sarah usually <laughs> with a yeah. gun and yeah. so <laughs> it's just uh it's good it's really good stuff and i'm really glad that she was included in this i'm sorry i'm also trying to stall because i'm trying to find out her name it is Ellison's wife. It is Ellison's wife. Lila. Lila Ellison. That's it. She kept the Ellison, did she? Well, according to IMDb, she's Agent Lila Ellison. Because remember, she's FBI. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Um, and I really love that last scene between him and Weaver where he talks about being tested like Job and right. um and Ellison or and Weaver kind of hints that she knows the story and he's he leans in and he goes, you know the story. You know, I really like that. I like that whole scene. There's a lot of really interesting biblical connections of this episode, not just in that scene, which is, of course, probably the most important. But the diamond guy references the brothers of Nablus, which, of course, is the title of the episode. And mm-hmm. Karen later explains the story to Sarah. And what's interesting is I found out on IMDb and then, of course, I went back to Genesis 34 to confirm this and and read it myself. And, well, I'll just read what the note under IMDb's page for the episode says. The Bible story supposed by the show's writers to have been set in Nablus took place in Shechem in Genesis chapter 34. Nablus is a modern city on the site of Napolis, a Roman outpost built near the ruins of the biblical Shechem. While today's geography tends to mix the two terms, Shechem and Nablus, the name Nablus doesn't actually appear in the Bible. To show a supposedly Orthodox Jew, albeit one who deals in stolen property and other crimes, using the term Nablus is farcical. Cameron or anyone else quoting scripture and using the term Nablus makes no sense. And I agree, like after rereading Genesis 34, because I did right after watching the episode, um, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's not even mentioned in there. I don't know why that is the 
that is the phrase that sparks this whole conversation but had a nice ring to it it did <laughs> it did because the story cameron told is more or less accurate and pretty yeah. and even more disturbing when you go back and look at it so yeah yeah <laughs> just an interesting little tidbit no it's great i love all the connections that they have not just in this show, but in uh, all the movies, all the biblical references. Yeah, maybe one day we'll have to do a whole episode about it. But the list is getting big. It is. It really is. Um, I really love the scene where Carmarty invades the Connor's home, and Riley has to like talk him down. I do too. Because um, John is intense. terrified. <laughs> John is terrified. It's intense. It feels real. Uh in the grand scheme of things with what happens later, I don't know that it makes the most sense. Sure. I don't know how to say it without spoiling too much. No, I, <laughs> you know, I, but I, and we are going to put a, a little quick spoiler alert for the next few minutes. So if you don't want to be spoiled, skip over like, I don't know, 45 seconds to a minute or something, but Won't be um, one. minute, give it a minute, minute go. I think it makes sense though. I, I think it makes a lot of sense you think be- because Riley's that good at keeping her cool. <laughs> yeah, I do because she lived in a future where machines didn't wear skin, mm-hmm. and because of that, she you know, probably had to learn to keep her cool there. Not to mention, she's so committed to Jesse that she's just gonna do it because that's what she's been ordered to do, and she's been given the second shot at life. Also, I think yeah. part of her really likes John. I, I don't think it's fully an act, you know. And because of that, I think she's willing to do whatever it takes to protect him. And because she sees that he's afraid, she knows that it's time for her to actually act on what she knows and use her training. So I I think it actually works, but I can see why it might seem like a stretch. I could, I could see that she, she feels empowered in the moment because this machine, she knows the machine has to pretend that she doesn't know. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah. And she also knows something that John doesn't. And I think that empowers her too. So yeah. that said, okay, we're back. No more, we're no back. more spoilers. We did it. <laughs> we did it. We I, I think that spoilers. was about a minute too. I think we actually got that right on time. Nailed um, it. Yeah, it's a great scene. And John with the shotgun and freaking out and all. I love it. It's so good. It's, I mean, it's, this episode sets up the next episode, which I am psyched to talk about, by the way. That episode, this next episode is my, like, either my favorite or tied for my favorite episode. Um, I'm pumped about it. But it sets up that episode really well, especially from John's point of view and Cromartie's, honestly, too. Um, It's just, it feels like we're about to have an old fashioned shootout, like a Western, but we just missed it. And, Mm -hmm this next episode we're gonna get there and i'm pumped about it i really like the john and sarah fight at the end too where john fights with picks up the fight with his mom and she fights back saying we didn't choose this john it chose us i really liked that scene throws back uh to what we talked about previous episode i believe where you get a sense that sarah has some resentment for the fact that they have to live this way and this is their life and I think that comes through a little. She accepts it. She has resentment about it, which so does John. And they're both having this. Um, but that, that seems rough. I think one of the most emotional parts of the, the show for me that I got a little choked up. 
dropped the big bomb on well why didn't you protect right it was rough yeah it's a uh it's a tough one to get through but yeah i i really like that scene too i it is tough though it's it's really hard to watch and um like i said i think it does a really great job of setting up the next episode and really explaining john's motivations in it as well as why sarah is so frantic um and again that's all trying i'm not trying to spoil it for people who haven't watched it yet but it's it's really good go watch it right now we'll do another episode on it hopefully next week i'm psyched um but it, it's gonna be good it's gonna be really good it's gonna be a fun one to talk about but yeah i uh i really you know the more we talked about this episode i think the more i liked it than i thought i did even though i know it's a little all over the place when we watch it i think there's so many really good threads mm-hmm. that tie it together and i know we've done this a couple of times where we've talked through an episode and we're like oh i think i like that better than i did before and i kind of feel that way about this one a little bit yeah i i agree there's some parts that uh that shine bright um one of them that we haven't talked about seen at the bowling alley where we get we get cameron just straight up with these guys and we i think we haven't it's so it's so out of nowhere too It, it reminded me a lot of terminator 2 when those guys come to help John in the parking lot and Arnold's T-800, you know, pulls the guy's hair but then goes to actually pull yeah. out his gun and kill a guy, right? Which, of course, John stops in that moment. But it's so shocking. Of It, it reminds you in that moment, this thing is not a pet. This thing is not your buddy. This is still a machine that's designed to kill people. And we get that feeling again in this scene with Cameron, which is great. It brings back that feeling of uh, intimidation for her character, right? She's she's still scary and she's still badass and she still has no emotion about what she just did either. Um, whereas contrast that with Sarah, who's very much has a lot of emotion to her moment with what ends up happening with this kid revealing their location to Cromartie at the end, right? Yeah, it's it's some really good stuff. There's, I mean, there's some really intense stuff with Cameron, especially in that scene, and it's kind of alluded to earlier in the episode when she tells the Genesis thirty four story, and Sarah's like, "That's your kind of story, isn't it?" And she goes, "Yeah, my kind of story." And I'm like, "Yeah, it is, you freak." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, every time Cameron's on screen and does something like that, my wife looks at the screen and she goes, "She's such a freak." Why is she this way? And I'm like, I don't know. She's not blending in. <laughs> <laughs> the moral dilemma, though, is great. It's true. The moral that Sarah has to go through. I agree. I agree. And it's tough because I don't remember if Cromartie kills this kid or not. Probably because that's what Cromartie does. But I don't know. I guess it's kind of ambiguous. I don't remember. If I had to guess, I think they leave it ambiguous. Yeah, that makes sense. But while uh, I, I wanted to tell you this story before we close, because I think it's really funny. Um, my wife and I were talking about the last few episodes of the Sarah Connor Chronicles on our w- drive back from work today. And <laughs> all of a sudden, Hannah says to me, she goes, you know, I think it's kind of a no-brainer. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she goes, well, if you had the <laughs> option to go back in time to be on this mission, of course you're going to go back. And I'm like, okay, why? And she goes, well, if you can go back 
and have a cheeseburger and a milkshake and a nice bed, even for a night, you're going to do it if you live in that kind of future. Like, it's it's the no-brainer. Yeah. You're just going to do it. And she, we started to talk about, you know, Jesse and her motivation. And she's like, I don't even understand why Derek's mad at her. I would do the same thing. And I'm like, well, I think Derek's mad at her because he thinks that she's on a mission and now she's gone AWOL and now her actions are act- actively affecting people in the future. And we, we talked about that and what that looks like. And, and we talked about how um, ultimately the best role in the resistance in the future would be to be able to go back to the past. Cause at the very least you'd live a much better life than you would at the future. And mm-hmm. You'd be able to have mm-hmm. in and out. Whereas in the future you can't have in and out. And mm-hmm. so we talked about that for a while, and I thought that was very funny. But that was something she brought up, as she goes, yeah, of course I'd go back to the past. Yeah. Like, that, of course I'd do that. I'd sign our whole family up to go back on mission if we had to. <laughs> I'm like, oh, boy. I thought that was pretty funny. That is funny. It, 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 makes, uh, it makes Kyle Reese's volunteer seem less um <laughs> less sacrificial and uh noble <laughs> <laughs> well i think I it's a little different with uh <laughs> kyle because he and i explained this too actually i mentioned this i was like i think it's a little different with kyle because kyle didn't know it was gonna work yeah and you're you gotta figure in too that he's leaving a future hat where they, they won as well so right. had he stayed he wouldn't even have had to face the machines anymore it still would have been a horrible life of having to rebuild society but at the same time the fear of the nukes the fear of the machines that kind of stuff was gone and ended right which that's where his sacrifice came in is that when he decided to come back um had he survived he would have also had to have endured the nuclear apocalypse all over again so that's where his sacrifice came in and of course he ultimately died which was his sacrifice right so for kyle it makes sense for everyone else maybe it's a little less noble but maybe that's why john sends back terminators in the other movies and not people it's a good point he's like no you can't all leave we need you to rebuild society you have to be (laughs) well and also when he sends back a machine for the resistance right he can kind of plan on being like well i'll see you in five minutes when you just last that long right and come back to the future (laughs) Yep, exactly. Well, Tanner, did you have any other final thoughts on Brothers of Nablus? No, we touched on everything I had uh, written down for that one. But if any of the listeners have anything we missed, let us know. We, we can always revisit. Yeah, absolutely. We can definitely do that on our next episode, which is going to be about episode eight for season two, entitled Mr. Ferguson is Ill Today. And... It's it's very Tarantino-ish in the way that it's structured, but it's very good, and I really love it, and I can't talk more about it without talking about the actual episode, so we're just going to cut there. But until then, you guys can find us on our website at nofatepodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at nofatepod. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and a host of other places as well. So tell your friends, um, share your favorite Terminator podcast with everybody that you possibly can. And until next time, guys. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance.